Wildcats to the Weber State Weekly Volleyball Show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I'm your host, flying solo tonight, Colby Peterson. On the show tonight, we have a player interview for you. So we're going to talk to sophomore libero slash outside hitter. Got a lot of that going on on the team lately. So interesting combination. Talk to Michaela Sorensen. Talk to her a little bit about her journey from Idaho down to Weber State and um, her opportunities to play. And now, like we said, this season, kind of mixing it up a little bit on the volleyball floor. Then we're going to do some match analysis for you folks. We'll talk a little bit about the match down in Orem on Thursday night against Utah Valley. And then Saturday's close, close comeback loss to Utah State at Club Swenson. But before we do all that, I want to encourage everyone to subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Those are all terrific places to listen to Weber State Weekly. These shows are also live streamed to YouTube. If that's a thing that you care about, if that's a place where you spend your time, YouTube is a place to find us. And then social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Twitter, one of the best places to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day or for hanging out, watching volleyball on a Saturday or a Thursday. We're on Twitter, hanging out, talking about it. So join us there. And then, of course, we have our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash weberstateweekly. want to thank everybody who has not only been a patron, but uh, we talked a little bit last night for the football show about how we were raising money for the uh, the turnover belt. Less than 24 hours, we, ra- we hit our goal of $350 and then some. And so we'll be in the process of getting that belt uh, made and turned over to the football team. So I want to thank everybody who made those donations, made that a reality. Can't wait to see the guys have that on the sidelines this season. So, uh, yeah, so that's the intro, folks. Now, let's, uh, Michaela, let's let's talk a little bit. We want to welcome uh, sophomore libero slash outside hitter Michaela Sorensen to Weber State Weekly. Michaela, how have you guys been? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to chat with you tonight. Like we said, uh, you've been really, really versatile, you know, got to use some yeah. skills that you hadn't in a couple of years. And so, you know, especially with the injuries that the Wildcats are facing right now. So it's been a, a really interesting time for you. And so we want to talk a little bit about it. So let's start a little bit at, at the beginning, right? Like uh, you had a championship pedigree coming to Weber State, three time Idaho champion, state champion in volleyball. Uh, also the 2019 Gatorade player of the year for the state of Idaho. So if you don't know what that means, I mean, she was basically people felt that she was the best player in the state for that year. And uh, so that's a lot. That's a lot of accolades coming out of Idaho. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, though. I mean, tell us a bit about volleyball in Idaho, because I think we might have asked Danny about it last season or in the spring season in 2020. It's been a while. So and, you know, obviously you, you've come a couple of years after her. So. Talk to us about the volleyball scene. I mean, did you play club? Was it strictly high school? Talk to us a little bit about it. Yeah, volleyball in Idaho is pretty fun and competitive. It's a small community, so everyone knows everybody, but that's what makes it interesting. Mm. Um, volleyball in eastern Idaho, I would say, is definitely the top female sport, um, especially where I'm from. I'm from a town. We have like five high schools in it, and it's pretty competitive within that yeah. town just because we're all in the same city. Um, but I remember playing Danny in high school. Um, we all play high school and club. A lot of the girls from my high school actually played basketball as well. I did as I did play basketball as well. So we went from school, volleyball, straight into basketball and then right into club. So it was pretty busy. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about the club scene, because like, I don't think I fully understand how it works. So obviously you have no. your high school season and yeah. our understanding is that, you know, and this is what makes it difficult for, the coaching staff at, at Weber state and anywhere really that they have to do the recruiting while they're also coaching like the, the, the high school volleyball season is happening right now while you guys are also playing. So, I mean, talk to us a little bit about that. Like, 
once it is the club set, does the club season go after high school ends? Is that how it works? Yeah. So club season usually starts um, in the spring. So January to March, and then it goes clear throughout July and then school season starts in August. So, yeah. So a lot of relationships built with coaching staffs probably over the club season because they have the time to dedicate to getting to know the players, watching them play at the club level. And then, of course, they're keeping an eye on you all, on those players that they feel like are they're most interested in as they're also coaching their own teams. And then, you know, you all are playing at the high school level. Yeah. So I played on a club team that was through my high school, but Danny, like she's from Boise and there's a big club over there. I know crush, but we didn't have like a, a big club over in Eastern Idaho. So we just went through my high school. So that's the difference between like Boise area and then like Idaho Falls area. Right. I mean, Boise, the biggest city in the, in the state, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they're going to have stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that recruiting journey then, like you said, from East Idaho, from Idaho Falls um, area. Talk to us a little bit about how you kind of got connected with the coaching staff at Weber State and kind of your recruiting journey, building your relationship and kind of that ultimate decision to say, I'm going to go south, I'm going to go to Ogden and I'm going to become a Wildcat. Yeah, so it was pretty interesting. I didn't have a club season my senior year just because it was COVID, but my junior year I played um, with Idaho Crush for a few tournaments just here and there. Um, and my coach was Caroline Bauer. Um, you might know her, you might not, but she already had a relationship with Jeremiah just from yeah. previous players and stuff like that. So she actually connected me to him. And then once she did that, it was like, it was kind of just history from there. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, Cause I think that she also had coached Danny as well. And so yeah. when we interviewed Danny, she talked about Caroline Bauer. And so it sounds like a really integral person to the volleyball scene in the state of Idaho. Mm -hmm. uh, players playing for her, yourself included. And so that just sort of, you know, I guess, if you're an Idaho player looking to get recruited, go play for her <laughs> because you'll yes. get D1 offers if you're good enough. Yeah, she has a lot of connections. So, And that's what it's really all about is having connections. So it was really helpful. Yeah, so once you had made that connection, like you said, with the Weber State staff, talking to them, obviously your talent was there. I mean, you're a D one player and a good one. Um, talk to us about how you kind of like made that final decision where it was like of all the places you could play, Weber state was the place. So it's, it's funny because a lot of D one players have all these offers and stuff like that, but we joke around all the time with Jeremiah that he recruits the misfits and the people that yeah. don't have a lot of offers. So for me, I had about that as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I had Weber state and then I had, um, one more serious offer from Idaho state. Um, and then right before I graduated, they had like, they went through a coaching change and yeah, all like at that. the time they had been very good, but then the coaching change yeah. happened and, you know, they took a little bit of a dip for a while. Right. And now they haven't been as good for the past few years, but, um, and Weber state and Jeremiah and his job security looked very promising. So yeah. that's what I went with. Yeah. Right. And so ultimately chose to become a wildcat, built that relationship. And I mean, you, you had the opportunity. Well, before we, before we get to the opportunities you had in the spring and the fall seasons, um, you, you had to go through COVID. Right. Mm -hmm. So had thought that we were ready. You were, you know, he signed in the middle of a, of a pandemic, but then 
No, no volleyball in the fall, but they do play in the spring. And so talk to us a little bit about that, about how you were ready to go, ready to go. And then it was like, oh, actually, no, there's not any volleyball in the fall. We're going to play in the spring, which maybe was okay for you because you had just come out of high school, had just probably finished playing a club season. Talk to us a little bit about that, like not playing in the fall like you were used to, but also trying to be ready for that spring season where you got an opportunity to play a lot. Yeah, no, I actually think that COVID was a good thing for me. Um, and I think that any freshman could attest to this, but the extra time that fall that we had to practice every day, I think was really good for my development. And I think that's what got me ready for the spring and ultimately got me ready to play that very first game that I did. So I, I think it was a good thing. Yeah. And so um, the other interesting thing about your transition once you get to Ogden and you start to play, I mean, you had played as an outside hitter in high school, you know, and at the club level, but at, at Weber state, they had saw you have talent uh, defensively with the ball at, at the libero position. And so you played libero for the last two seasons until this <laughs> season. So talk to us a little bit about making that transition because I mean, outside hitter and libero could not be more different positions, you know? Yeah. I knew all throughout my recruiting process that if I wanted to go to a D1 school, there was a very high chance that I would play libero. And when coaches are recruiting liberos or DSs or anything, they often look for players that have experience in other positions, just because I think playing outside hitter does help with your libero skills. Um, so making that transition from outside to libero, my very first year here, wasn't as difficult as you might expect. But I think that's because I had really great seniors to look up to with Rylan and Ash and Sam. And yeah, and also they carried a lot of the weight. So I just had to do my job. So, yeah. And do and do the job well. I mean, your your very first season was that spring season where obviously the season was shorter. There was no non-conference that season. But the Wildcats lose just one game to Northern Arizona on a weird night in Flagstaff. Come back the next day take care of business, you guys, champions in the spring, then go on to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, yes. Talk to us a little bit about that as a true freshman playing in the NCAA tournament with a team who just won their first tournament, conference tournament championship in 30 plus years. I mean, what was that like, you know, taking the, cause taking the trip to Omaha and it's, I mean, it was a little bit different because everything was sort of just in one spot. Right. But like, talk to us about that experience and kind of what you took from it into the fall season later that year. Yeah, I think it all goes back to our seniors again. I mean, you could tell how much they wanted it and that rubbed off on the younger players as well. They were such great leaders. I looked up to them so much. I really couldn't have done it without them. Um, going to nationals, it was it was their biggest goal. It was their biggest dream ever. So I'm glad I got to help them do that and experience that with them because it was all of our first time doing that. So I think it was a really good experience for us. Yeah. I mean, already now two rings to your name as a, as a, as a sophomore, <laughs> like uh, probably one of the most decorated Wildcats so far. Um, so you talked a little bit about, like you said, making that transition to libero, um, but you've been asked to come back to outside hitter this season because there've been some injuries. Uh, the Wildcats are a little bit thin on the, on the roster this, this so far this season. Uh, if you compare the Wildcat roster to others, uh, they're not at nearly as many players right now. So everybody has to kind of be versatile. Plus, like you said, the normal course of the season injuries and that sort of thing. So you've had this opportunity to come back to outside hitter. And uh, and I think your best game came in this last week at that position against Utah Valley, where you had a really good showing. I mean, it was the 
they were the reigning WAC champions. So coming into that, I mean, really kind of something that you had the opportunity to not only play against Utah Valley, who was a good team, a tournament team last year, but then also to be to play really well against them. I mean, what was it about that matchup, particularly in Orem, that was kind of working for you? Yeah, so transitioning to outside hitter this year, it is a little bit challenging just because I had settled into my libero position for the past two years. Um, but that game in Orem, I I credit all of everything to my middles and my setters. So Kate found Sané, Brielle, Bailey, Liana early in the match, and that opened me up for my swings. So really, like, yeah, you can look at the stats and stuff, but it's it's all my middles and my setters. So and it makes sense, right? Like if if the ball is flying through the middle and and they're scoring, they have to that keeps them honest, right? And so then yeah. they have to defend the middle, which opens it up a little bit more for yourself to you know swing and get opportunities to get kills. And so that makes total sense to me uh, or any casual observer of volleyball. <laughs> and so, and it was a stunning match. I mean, you guys, uh, the hashtag for the year, I mean, the, the last year, the, the theme was Invictus new theme this year. We talked with Emma Mangum about this a, a few weeks ago is resilient. And that was the most resilient win you guys have logged this season. And there have been a number of them where down two Oh on the road, you know, even though, yeah, it's Utah County, like it's on the road, you're in, a, in an opposing gym and there were 1700 people there. It's not a few. You guys come back down 2-0 to win 3-2 in five sets. I mean, talk to us a little bit about that. Walk us through that because that's a huge moment for this program, I think, and especially for this team who is really, really young. Yeah, we are really young. And I think one thing that we've been lacking early in the season is playing as a united team, as a united front. So that's something that we as a team and me and Danny as captains have been working on is trying to build relationships with one another and just playing more together. Um, we always talk about being fighters and being that as part of our, our identity. So that game was really huge for us because that was the first time that we've consistently fought throughout the entire match. And I think it really opened our eyes to how good we could be if we just work on our consistency a little bit more. Yeah, because we've talked a little bit about that with the freshman class, right? Where like they're obviously very talented and we're going to talk about that mm -hmm. in the next segment a little bit. But that consistency has been the part that's been a little bit of a struggle because new team, every, a lot of new faces, everybody's getting used to the system. Some folks are getting used to playing volleyball at the D1 level. Um, there are just things that are being worked out. And that's what out of conference is for, right? Getting ready for the conference slate, which will start for you all next week. But before we talk a little bit about that, I wanted to, I didn't want to go past the Utah State game uh, because it was almost another close comeback like the one against Utah Valley. Obviously, it fell just a little bit short, 15-13 in the fifth set to lose 3-2, a heartbreaker, but also another resilient comeback. Take us through the huddle a little bit because at that point, you guys, once again, down 2-0, going into the third set, and it was really similar to the UVU match where you all sort of flipped the switch and from the get in the third and fourth sets, just sort of playing your game, getting out there, getting, getting the, the kills and running the offense the way you wanted to get right back into that match. Take us through the huddle because at that point, like I said, you had done it once. Is it different that second time through Do you guys, did you all believe more? Like talk to us a little bit about how the team was feeling on Saturday. Yeah. After Thursday, I mean, 
we're down 2-0 again. But I think we have a little bit more confidence because we we had already been in that position and we came back and won. So I think we had a little bit more confidence in the huddles. We talk about, a lot about playing to win, actually, and like playing with a little bit of fire. Um, and if we don't have that, we dive into why. Is it because we're panicked or is it because we're flat? And being a young team, like I said, it's kind of hard to find that balance and that consistency. Sometimes we're up here and sometimes we're way down here. So um, throughout the season, actually, that's what most of our huddles have been about. Yeah. And I mean, that that fire, I think, is a trademark of Wildcat volleyball. I mean, we saw it a lot with I mean, I think that the poster child for that fire is Rylan Adams, who is you know, exactly. now graduated. But uh, if anybody if you had the opportunity to watch Rylan Adams play, you know exactly what we're talking about, where we have somebody who is a conference MVP, a person who played with a lot of fire. And so uh, I guess that makes sense to me that, you know, yeah. that that's still a key piece of what the coaching staff tries to instill in all of you. Um, we put the question out online. We said, hey, do you have questions for Michaela Sorensen tonight when we go live with her? And uh, we got a couple in. Um, one of them was a little bit about, uh, of course, what we've already talked about, choosing Weber State and why we've gone through that. And then um, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament because you were there. Some people kind of wanted to understand a little bit more about that experience. And so the question was, does the team ever discuss advancing into the NCAA tournament and winning matches once there, like you guys, you know, do you look that far into the future? You talked about like the, the, the team that you were on in the spring of 2021, that was their goal to get to tournament. And they did. Uh, and then not only did they get there, they also beat Bowling Green in the first round, the first, you know, team, the first win for the program in school history. I mean, is that something you guys talk about? Do you talk about, about that, or is it always just like we're focused on like how do you guys how do you guys set goals i guess is the question so it's interesting because jeremiah and our program we don't set goals like he doesn't believe in goals that's right he, he's told us that before so now yeah when you said that i was like oh yeah, yeah. Has already told us no that. that's okay so i think really we try to look at our next game or our next practice or not too far in the future um, but we do want to win. So it's kind of tricky to find that balance of like talking about our goals of winning a championship, but actually still having that desire to win. Um, the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, obviously our goal is to get there and we did. Um, and then the next year after that, it's like, okay, now that we got there, we have the standard. So this next year, we can have this goal per se of maybe winning, getting to the third round since we got to the second round last year, like just advancing a little bit every year. Right. Yeah. So, but while we were at the NCAA tournament, yeah, we definitely took it one game at a time. We did not look far into the future at all. Right. And I mean, it's difficult because you all got a particularly tough draw. I mean, Bowling Green, you all took care of business winning that set, winning that match three sets to one. But then you get Wisconsin, who was a national championship contender, one of the best teams in the country, the number one seed for that tournament. Um, and so, I mean, you all just just played, man. It, nobody was frustrated. You all were just out there having a good time. Um, yeah. Another question we got online was uh, about nicknames. We did this a lot with the softball team during the softball season in the spring. Everybody has a nickname. You know, Coach Kevin gave everybody nicknames. And so we always made sure to ask. Apparently, you have a nickname for the team, though. Uh, and so we wanted to ask you a little bit. Your nickname on the team is Rick. 
tell us the story. Like what's, uh, what's up with Rick? <laughs> yeah. Everybody asks me this question. It's like, you really have to ask Danny. So Danny's the one that assigned me this nickname. Danny, so the Rick name. Danny gave me the Rick name. And I think it's cause we had Kayla as our coach. So they couldn't call me Kayla cause that was just too confusing. But then Danny didn't really like Mick. So she just changed the M into an R and then went with Rick and it's stuck ever since then. That was like my first year. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? Cause like you said, don't want to confuse you with, you know, the assistant coach and, and Kayla Morgan, who's now working in the athletics department. She's still a key piece of Weber state and mm-hmm. uh, everything going on up there, but also, you know, don't want to just go with Mick like, eh, like <laughs> we could, we could do better. And so it's like, we're just going to make that M and R and Rick it is. And it's really easy to say on the court. So one syllable, you know, so you can, you know, get your yeah. attention quickly, uh, you know, in, in a quick situation. Um, I wanted to ask, like, does anybody else on the team, like do you guys, I mean, we talked about softball doing it. Do you guys have nicknames, you know, within the team or is yours unique? Um, I would say mine's pretty unique. Like we don't have, like we have nicknames for like alternate egos. If you've ever heard of that. Totally, right. <laughs> like, uh, one of my favorite pitchers right now, uh, I'm a Brewers fan in baseball. And so Devin Williams is a guy who comes out of the bullpen for us. And what he talks about is, you know, when he was in the minor league system, he would talk about, you know, when he goes out there to root, to relieve, he would flip the switch and he would become Dave. Yeah. Dave strikes guys out. Dave is a different kind of person than Devin. Yes. Right? So similar exactly. to you guys like that. Yeah. We have some like that, but nothing like Rick, I guess. <laughs> Does Rick have a, I mean, is there, is there like a, an on-court persona for Michaela Sorensen where it's like, no, Rick is like, Rick will dig. Rick does not care. <laughs> Rick will um, do whatever it takes to win. Yeah. I That's think how so. Rick is. Yeah. Oh, terrific. <laughs> well, Michaela, want to thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us on Weaver State Weekly. Um, really appreciate you. Want to wish you all the best of luck. You're going to be hitting the road this week, taking the trip up to Portland. And then uh, before you come back to face uh, Northern Arizona on Saturday in Club Swenson. So best of luck on the road this weekend. We'll be watching you on Thursday night against the Vikings to open up conference play. And then, uh, like I said, we'll see you back in Club Swenson soon. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you again so much. We appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. See ya. Bye bye. I want to thank Michaela Sorensen one more time for taking some time to chat with us here on Weber State Weekly. Uh, really appreciate the students uh, and their willingness to get on the show and talk to us a little bit about who they are and kind of what makes them tick. So really grateful to them. Um, as you can tell, folks, I don't have anybody else joining me tonight. So um, because it's flying solo, I'm just going to kind of walk you through the two games from last week. Like we said, against with Michaela, there were two. Thursday night in Orem against Utah Valley. They were the reigning WAC champions. They're still the reigning WAC champions. I mean, nothing changed. Um, and then Saturday against uh, the reigning Mountain West Conference champions in Utah State. So a couple of conference champions coming to uh, first on the road, then coming to Club Swenson. Uh, we knew that this week was going to be tough, right? And so let's let's start with the the match against uh, Utah Valley because I think that if if we were being honest this week, this is probably the most winnable match that Utah state was a little bit of a different animal. Utah state, you know, had previously beaten number 11 UCLA earlier and they're out of conference schedule. Um, they had really, really a tough team. And, and we'll talk about that in a second, but let, let's talk a little bit about Utah Valley. So um, 
I think the thing that sticks out the most to me from watching that match and then also just going back and reviewing in the sheet because sometimes when you're watching the match and obviously you're not paying attention to the stats, you're just watching and noticing trends. The trend that I noticed watching on Thursday night was that the freshmen continue to step up. And I think that it was particularly key in this match that the way that the freshmen uh, stood up. So like we said with Michaela, the Wildcats have a, a tough couple of goes. They go down 0-2 pretty early in the match. So you know, uh, a, tough, a tough way to start things like, oh, there's a potential threat. And I think a similar way to what happened against Utah State on Saturday in that they lose the first set kind of in extras, if you will, where the match goes beyond 25, losing that one. That's a heartbreaker. Come back, lose again in the second, not particularly close in that second, you know, 25-19 for the Wildcats. And then you're like, okay. Um, now at this point, you're just hoping to survive. That's not what happened. The third set was just absolutely incredible um, from, from where I was sitting. The Wildcats just absolutely roll through the, the Wolverines and they just go on an absolute tear. And right out of the gate, they end up winning 25 to 10. But let's, let's walk through this because I think we'll talk about this in a segment. Ashley Knighting had just such a great game. And keep in mind that this is a hometown crowd for her. You know, she's from Utah County. Um, this is, this is a, a group of probably her family came down from Pleasant Grove to see her play. It's not very far down to Orem from Pleasant Grove, if you know anything about it. And so uh, a little bit of a hometown crowd for her. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But the freshmen in general, I mean, if you watch the match, like we said, you know, you, you go through, if you didn't watch the match, you go through the, the stat sheet, you're seeing the names, Ashley Knight, Sane Katoa, you know, Jada Tupac. I think we need to give Jada a lot of credit that she has really been key at the service line this week. I think that we saw that there's so much potential there. And of course, if, you, if you've watched Wild Volleyball for the last couple of years, you know that serving is a really, really key piece of what the Wildcats do. And Jada, I think, is somebody who understands that and has really executed from the service line in a big way. And so we just looked down the Wildcats at one point. They just go on this run where it's like, oh, man, is this going to work out? Are they going to be able to answer back? And they 5-0 run, start the match, like, boom, out of the gate, like energy, just straight energy after losing the first two sets. So a good, a good 5-0 start, but that wasn't the last run that they had. You know, they're, they're having these chunk runs of three plays, three plays. And I think that that was one of the, the things that's most difficult in the first couple of sets is that they did, didn't really get those runs, but in the third, third set they did. And before you know up, they're up 11 points. You know, they're the first to 20, obviously. And then they just go on a four point run from there. One, two, three, four, five points to make it 24 to nine. At that point, I don't think it's in doubt. Wildcats are winning. They win 25 to 10 in the third. Then in the fourth, similar, similar thing happens. It's all energy. And then they win. And that's now it's tied up. And it's interesting because at that point, it's anybody's game, right? Where you go from the drama of, oh man, I hope that the Wildcats don't get swept to, oh man, they could win this. And that's exactly what happened. The thing that is 
most impressive to me is that there were four freshmen on the floor for the Wildcats in that fifth set, decisive fifth set against Utah Valley. And the Wildcats answered once again, getting chunk, chunk points going through. You're getting two, you're getting two, you're getting one, you're getting, you know, three. And before you know it, the Wildcats, they're up, tied, they're 13-12. UVU goes on a bit of a run, 14-14. Oh man, what's going to happen? Wildcats close out the last three with, uh, thanks to some errors by, of course, UVU, but then also taking advantage of what they had. A kill from Kate Standiford, by the way, to go up 15-14. And then Charlie Bouquet ends it on a service ace, which, I mean, for A-State, it could not end more beautifully. But I promised you we would talk about Ashley Knighting, so let's do. Ashley Knighting had a really big game in front of what I consider to be a hometown crowd. She had 16 kills in this match. She had five block assists. Um, I'm, I think that we're starting to see a little bit more consistency out of her. Like we said, she's a freshman. Um, getting used to playing volleyball at the D1 level. So there are going to be ups and downs, right? This is a thing that's like, okay, we understand that, that people have to get used to playing. And I think that so far, because of the because the bench is so short for the Wildcats, it really has given them an opportunity to invest, I think, in this freshman class. And it's going to pay dividends later because normally what happens is you get recruited. Maybe you don't play very much your freshman year. Maybe you do, depending on the needs of the team. Second season, you start to see a little bit more time. Third season, okay. Now you're playing. You're a junior. You're getting more opportunities. And then by the time you're a senior, it's you. You're ready to go. You've had all the training. You've had your reps. You're the one that's supposed to lead the team to the next level. I think... That because these freshmen are getting so much experience early in this out of conference. And I think that that's going to continue because of the short bench. They're going to have, they're going to be a year ahead of schedule. And so the end of their sophomore year, they will likely have enough experience to essentially be who they would be in a normal situation at the end of a junior year going into a senior season. So consider it like this Wildcat fans. It's like, if they got two senior seasons, that's pretty much what's happening, right? So you're getting you're going to get two senior seasons out of these these freshmen because of all the experience that they're getting in this first uh, freshman year because the bench is short, right? So Ashton Knighting taking taking advantage of that, getting the most. Like we said, 16 kills on uh, on 40 attempts. I think you know for her the the hit percentage can go up because she's she is hitting a lot, but hopefully, you know that that continues to improve and she becomes more efficient. Because I, if she does, uh, she's going to be, I think, in, in conversations for conference MVP relatively quickly. Right? She's an athlete. Um, from what I've heard, she is the most athletic of the Nighting sisters. And so, if you followed vol- Wildcat volleyball for a while, you know what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, a really big. Showing from the freshman in Orem, Wildcats come come back and win three mat three sets to two in the reverse sweep, uh, three straight matches, bam bam bam, to take the dub against the WAC champions. Then, um, I guess before I move on, um, a thing that sort of I 
I noticed in the stat sheet, and I didn't notice it at the time, but uh, I noticed it later, was the fact that the Wildcats were actually out-aced by this one, with the Wolverines having seven aces to the Wildcats three. Um, That's not what we're used to seeing. Um, Hashtag ace state for a reason. I dug into it a little bit and uh, got into the conference records a little bit and kind of seeing how things have uh, shaken out in out-of-conference schedules thus far with the stats on the conference's website. Wildcats are actually second to last in the conference in aces this season. And so it had me wondering, like, why is that? Why is it that the Wildcats went from being one of the best-serving teams in the country to being the second-to-last team in terms of service aces in the conference. And I think part of it is, like we said, turnover. We lost a lot of senior talent that was very good at serving. Um, I think that the injury to Danny Ney has not been super helpful. It's sort of limited her in a way because we know that she is a very talented server. And so I think that I'm not terribly worried about being number nine out of 10 in the Big Sky Conference right now because I, I think that the coaching staff will coach these ladies up. They will teach them what Wildcat Volleyball is all about. And service, it's a key piece of that, right? And so I think as time wears on, the Wildcats get better at that serving. You know, maybe they end the season at middle of the pack, but all that means is progression into the next season to to get back to the place where they were being one of the best serving teams, not just in the conference, but in the country. Now let's talk a little bit about Utah State. So Utah State, Mountain West Conference champions coming in, a tournament team, um, I think favored to win the conference this year. Um, this, we knew this was going to be a tough match, and luckily it was on on the Wildcats floor in Club Swenson, a really good crowd. A lot of folks showed up on Saturday. I was really impressed um, to go back and check the attendance uh, numbers really quickly because obviously Colby Peterson watching the match from Tennessee, uh, it looked like a full gym. And uh, according to the, to the official attendance numbers, it was 77 is the official number, almost 900 people in a gym that holds 1,000, maybe 1,100. Uh, pretty good showing on a Saturday, which by the way, where there was also football coming later that day. So appreciate a Wildcat fans for showing up for the, the ladies in club Swenson. And no doubt there were Utah state fans there as well. But I mean, a good crowd at club Swenson. And when club Swenson, when club Swenson is loud, it is a very difficult place to play. And so kudos to Wildcat fans, but I uh, want to talk a little bit about the match now because uh, a similar thing happened. Like we said, the Wildcats get out to uh, a slow start uh, or a 2-0 deficit. Um, once again, losing in extras to Utah State in that first set, losing 30-28. to 28, uh, Really, really close. But then the second set, not nearly as close, losing 25-20. Um, at that point, like we said, against a conference champion, a tournament team, you're worried about getting swept in your own gym. But the Wildcats respond, man. And uh, I, I wanted to say that uh, Bailey Bodley, I think, was such a key piece of that. Uh, because if you follow the Wildcat or the Weber State Weekly Twitter account and you were following us on that Saturday as, as, as the match played out, you know, we tweeted out that you know, regardless of what happens in this, in this match, because 
at that point, the Wildcats were down two sets to none, and we weren't sure what was going to happen if they were going to be able to respond again the way they had against the Wolverines, that Bailey Bodley is the MVP of this match. And her value was apparent. You know, she was Not only was she getting kills and key blocks, they were happening at clutch moments to keep momentum going. Because momentum, I think, is such a key piece of volleyball. And so she led the Wildcats with 18 kills, uh, six blocks. The only, the only person that had more kills than her on Saturday afternoon was the Aggies, uh, Tatum Stahl. Uh, she, and Tatum Stahl, if, you know, she was very good. We have to give her that. She ended up with 21 kills. But Bailey Bodley as a middle with 18. Uh, really, really impressive uh, performance from her. And so it got me thinking, um, checking once again conference stats. She currently leads the conference in hit percentage right now. And so currently leading the conference in hit, hit percentage, uh, being really effective out of the middle. Um, I feel like middles don't necessarily always get the love when it comes to things like the MVP vote, right? Like that's a flashy thing that happens to outsides. You know, they're the people that really, you know, put together those big, big moments. Uh, but I, I kind of wanted to put it out in the ether and, and maybe, you know, Wildcat fans, you can tell me what you think on social media. But uh, do you think that we will see a potential dark horse candidacy for MVP if ba- Bailey Bodily keeps this rate of play up? Because I think that there's a case for it. Uh, if she's able to continue to play, not only defensively the way she has, which by the way, if you go look at the defensive stats, the Wildcats are one of the best, if not the best, defending teams in the conference right now. You know, they're number one in um, opponent hit percentage, so they are best the best at keeping that number low. Um, they are right there in a number of categories. And so if you go look at the stats, uh, a great defensive team, which is a great foundation for once everyone gets healthy and the offense is able to roll again, uh, that's a good position to be in, right? Similar to the football team, like we talked about last night, uh, the defense sort of setting the stage, keeping keeping the opponent at bay, and then just letting the offense work. You can get out ahead and you can win a lot of games. I think that that's where the Wildcats are at so far this season, dealing with injuries and a short bench, that if they can continue to play defensively the way that they have, being led by folks like Bailey Bodley out of the middle, um, Emma, Emma Mangum has really come up big in a lot of opportunities as a senior. Uh, if And like we said before, the freshmen are really doing a great job. If that can continue, I mean, the Wildcats are going to be a, a scary team come tournament time. Um, and of course that tournament will be at club Swenson this year. So keep watching for that. And, uh, let me know what you think about my, my hypothesis that Bailey bodily has a potential dark horse case for the big sky MVP, which should that happen, that would make three straight big sky MVPs wearing a wildcat uniform. Another thing I wanted to talk about was once again, the freshman because, and you're probably going to get tired of us saying this on the show, cause it's going to happen a lot. I, again, this season. Um, but the freshmen have, because of injuries and the short bench have been afforded these opportunities to play and they've, and they've showed up uh, Brielle Rickert, uh, Ashley Knighting again, Jada Tupea from the service line. She has been just absolutely phenomenal there. Some service errors, right. But that, I think that, you know, there's talent. You can see that she's talented when it comes to serving the ball and they've given her opportunities to do that. Uh, they got it done. They were really the ones that kind of led the charge in the third and fourth sets along with Emma Mangum on the outside, you know, in that senior leadership. Um, and then I think Emma's leadership into the fifth set 
to keep it close. The Wildcats ultimately fall 15-13 in the fifth set uh, and and lose their first regular season match in Club Swenson since, what they say, October of 2019. Uh, so quite a while, right? Like Club Swenson has been a fortress. Um, and even, even though the Wildcats take the L on Saturday against the Aggies, who they had, I think, won three straight, three or four straight against up to that point, they they didn't let they didn't just lay down and say oh well, we're just going to get swept out of our own gym they f- they come back they win sets 3 and 4 and they make they make a run at it in the set in the fifth set ultimately falling by you know two points so i think that we're starting to see emma mangum's leadership really start to have an impact on the floor because you know for emma she had two aces she had five blocks uh, she was a key piece to everything that was going on and, and like I said, it's one thing to say, oh, the, all of these stats happen, but they also happened at really, really key times. And I think that that's, that's where the leadership piece comes in because you can say, oh, Colby, she had eight kills and a 259 hit percentage and you know five, five block assists and two service aces, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, of course she did. But then I go and I look at the play-by-play and re-watch the match. I mean, you can see that you know key, key points, she is helping out, helping get those points or getting kills herself. I mean, that's leadership, folks. And I think we're really starting to see her come into her own. So unfortunately, the Wildcats split the week. They go one and one. But uh, I think overall, that that will close out, out of the out-of-conference schedule. Like we said, the Wildcats will be opening up conference play this week on the road against Portland State. And we'll get to the schedule here just in a minute. But overall, I would say a, a pretty good out-of-conference schedule. Beating UNLV was pretty big down in Vegas. Um, you know, taking a set from the University of Miami, who had not given up a set to a certain point. Team losing to and losing to Fullerton were painful, yes, but learning experiences. We we said that there would be learning experiences, there'd be growing pains this season as this young team learned how to play together and how to win together. I think that that's what that Southern California tournament was. Uh, it's a bummer, but. Uh, then coming back, being resilient, like we talked about, which is the team's theme this year, and getting through all of all of the uh, the, the difficult situations that they were in this week, being down 2-0, not once but twice, and answering back to force fifth sets and keeping it close. In one case, winning against UVU, and in the other case, losing by just two points, 15-13 in the fifth. Um, that's just... That's resiliency, folks. I mean, that's got to bode well for the future. So now let's take a look at the upcoming schedule. Like we said, Thursday, September 22nd, uh, Wildcats on the road at Portland State um, to open conference play. Portland State, uh, a good team, folks. Uh, We talked about their defense last season. They have Ellie Skou is one of the best defenders. Um, She probably... She doesn't lead the conference in digs right now, but as the season wears on, I wouldn't be surprised if she did again. She led the conference in digs last season. Uh, She's really, really talented. Uh, that match will be 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You'll be able to watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll do a Twitter Spaces that night. You know, If you guys want to hang out with me and watch the match together, that's something we could potentially do. Then Saturday, September 24th, the Wildcats are back home against Northern Arizona. Uh, that match will be at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at Club Swenson. Uh, you can buy your tickets at WeberStateSports.com. Or if you're like me and you're out of market, you can just watch it on ESPN. Also, we want to remind everybody that if you're in a pinch and, you, and, you're, and you're looking to go 
and you want to go to the volleyball game, but you don't have money or whatever, Weber State Weekly has two, not one, but two season tickets available for you. Hit us up. Send us a DM. Say, hey, man, can we use the, your two tickets? Probably be more than happy to give them to you. So hit us up. If you want to take some family members, get up to Club Swenson and enjoy all of the, the glory that is Wildcat Volleyball right now. Then uh, the following week, uh, Friday, September 30th, Wildcats will be playing at Idaho State. Uh, just a quick quick drive up the road to Pocatello. That match will be at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. It'll be on ESPN Plus, or like we said, it's a Friday night, so you could drive up to Pocatello for the match and then uh, be back at home. It's, it's, it's a short drive. It's not very far away. Um, Idaho State's interesting because uh, they've, had a really, they've had a really, really good out-of-conference schedule, even though it was a little soft. Uh, we'll be interested to see how they, how they fare in conference play now that it's beginning. Then Thursday, October 6th, uh, Wildcats taking the trip up to Eastern Washington and Idaho. So Thursday, facing Eastern Washington at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on ESPN+. Plus. Then Saturday, October 8th, facing Idaho, uh, 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, also on ESPN+. Plus. And then uh, a little bit of a break. Then Thursday, October 13th, Sac State comes to Ogden to face the Wildcats. This will be the only match against Sac State. The Wildcats will not be taking the trip to Sacramento this season. So this will be the only time the Wildcats see the Hornets unless they should match up at some point in the conference tournament. Should the Wildcats make it? That match is 6 p.m. Buy your tickets at WeaverStateSports.com or if you're like me, watch it on ESPN+. So that's it, folks. Want to wrap up the show? WeaverStateWeekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash WeaverStateWeekly to support us. Want to thank you to not only our patrons, but also all the donors that made the turnover belt possible this week. Can't wait to get that out to them. And I think that maybe we might consider doing something on the other side of the ball been thinking about maybe the, the guys on the other side of the ball need a touchdown uh, something. So maybe we'll have to talk a little bit about that next week. Uh, then, of course, we've got the blog. Go to WeaverStateWeekly.com. Uh, we'll get our grades up here as soon as I'm done. Uh, and you'll kind of get a, get an idea of what our panel thought about the offense, the D special teams unit against Utah Tech on Saturday. So I appreciate you all for hanging out with us, talk a little bit of volleyball tonight. Uh, we'll hope to have our panel back with us next week to go over the matches against Portland State and Northern Arizona. We'll wrap it up like I always do, man. Weber State, Weber State, great, great, great. Go Wildcats.